Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the Other People Show. My name is Brad Listy. It's nice to be with you. I'm here in Los Angeles. And I have Andrea Bayani on the program today. He is an Italian writer. His new novel is called If You Kept a Record of Sins. It is available in translation from Archipelago Books. It was translated from the Italian by Elizabeth Harris. It's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful novel. And it's a wonderful translation. So great to meet Andrea and to learn more about his book, its origin stories, why he wrote it, how he wrote it and so on and so forth. That conversation is coming up. I do, before we get started, want to say just a few brief words about the historical moment that we're in. As I record this on April 20th, 2021, we're just a couple of hours removed from the announcement of the verdict in the George Floyd trial. Derek Chauvin, the police officer who murdered George Floyd in cold blood on camera, has been convicted on all counts, cuffed and taken to jail. So it's a moment for uh, like enormous relief, some celebration that justice has been done in this instance. There's been accountability. I know everybody's parsing the way that you're supposed to talk about this, but hopefully you know what I mean. And, you know, there are a million things to talk about. But what keeps coming to mind for me is this young girl, Darnella Frazier, the 17-year-old girl who filmed the murder with her smartphone. Uh, you know, and without this footage, we likely would not be here today with guilty verdicts on all three counts. I think about being 17 years old and having the courage to stand there at close range with uh, like a hostile police officer filming and to have the courage to simply bear witness to something so hardcore. This young girl. And I'm sure it traumatized her. I'm sure she'll be living with it for the rest of her life. But I can't escape the idea that what she did, you know, could potentially 
be at the heart of some great change. I guess what I'm saying is that I think it, it brought home to me the importance of bearing witness, of showing up, and the importance of having courage in important moments. Not looking away, not walking away. But bearing witness, believing your own eyes, And saying what 17-year-old Darnella Frazier said in the aftermath, she said, quote, it wasn't right. This is a kid. <laughs> it doesn't get much simpler than that. Anybody who watches that tape, who has you know, a reasonably functional soul, knows that what happened to George Floyd was not right. So today and tonight, Derek Chauvin is in a prison cell where he belongs. And, you know, for at least this moment, we can feel good about the fact that there has been some accountability. More to do, obviously, but there's been accountability. And I shudder to think what would have happened had there not been, you know? So anyway, uh, a good day in a lot of ways. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press, publisher of Infinite Country. It's a new novel by Patricia Engel. This is an excellent book. It is rich with Bogota, urban life. It is steeped in Andean myth, and it is tense with the reality of what it means to be undocumented in the United States of America. Infinite Country is the story of two countries and one mixed status family. It's a book that asks readers if home can be a country that you've never known. This is a Reese Witherspoon book club selection and an instant New York Times bestseller. Infinite Country by Patricia Engel, available now in bookstores and online from Avid Reader Press. So my guest today is Andrea Bayani. His new novel, If You Kept a Record of Sins, is available in translation from the Italian from Archipelago Books. Such a pleasure to meet him and to get to share this conversation with you. This is an excellent novel. So here he is, folks. This is Andrea Bayani, and his novel, one more time, is called If You Kept a Record of Sins. So in 2001, basically what happened was that my grandma died. Uh, so she died. Uh, we were at the time living in the north of Italy, whereas she was living in Rome, where uh, uh, I was born and when we, where we used to live before moving to the north, to the Alps. Um, and uh, at that point, I was uh, um, just writing short stories. Uh, I didn't even write the first novel. Uh, and all the things I was writing were just um, funny things, kind of... Um, uh, the kind of uh, comic, brilliant, uh, very smart things you want to show, the, the phase in which you want to show how smart you are when you write, uh, and you want everybody to uh, 
to feel it immediately. Now that every phrase has to say, "Oh my God, how great is this guy?" So I was in that phase when I uh, when my grandma died, um, and, um, and 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 what happened was that uh, uh, I just went. I, I remember very 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 clearly that uh, I just took a train, a night train from the Alps to uh, to Rome, just to go to to her funeral. Uh, and then I spent uh, the day there in Rome. I didn't even spend the night. I took the last train of the night uh, from Rome and slept in the uh, uh, over the train and uh, got to the Alps uh, uh, the following day, very early in the morning. And what happened is that uh, after these uh, 36 hours, basically not sleeping, and with the reality coming so strongly, Strong, so hard, uh, kicking so hard. It was not only death; was a funeral, was a, a, a family a dysfunctional family that in front of a funeral was even more dysfunctional. And uh, an Italian dysfunctional family can be uh, a lot. And uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, so after that, after um, this, I don't know this um, experience. I, I would say that it was just a hard experience. I just wrote down a, a piece that was basically two, three pages uh, uh, addressing to her, to my grandma, or to what I saw at the time uh, at that funeral. And and, uh, and, and, and it was amazing uh, was uh, because the kind of writing uh, it appeared on my screen was completely different. I was not anymore the brilliant comic uh, super. Hey, you are the best. I was just someone going straight forward. So basically, um, life hit me in a way uh, and uh, and said to me, "Hey, if you want to say to to write about me, life and death, you had to look at look at me." And look into my eyes. It's not that uh, it's not a carnival. It's something serious. Uh, so I wrote these two pages like that. So there were just two, three pages of a funeral, um, and then I said, "Oh my God, can I write that way?" And it was not, "Oh my God," saying how good it is. It's just that uh, it was kind of a, re a revelation at the time. I was twenty-five. Was I don't know. Uh, and uh, but then basically. Uh, it was five or six years before the novel. And for the following five or six years, I basically tried to find the place where to put these two or three pages I wrote at the funeral, after the funeral of my grandma. So I was, uh, you know, like the Cinderella, like uh, when there's the shoe that the prince has to find the right foot and then Cinderella fits her foot, fits the the shoe, and then there's a marriage. So basically, I've been looking for the story, for the foot, or for the more, I would say, for the shoe, to fit in that foot, that piece of writing that I wrote at that time. So basically, what happened was at a certain time that uh, I, it was a kind of a, 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 I don't know, leaves growing around the tree. So basically this first writing that was came from reality, from my personal life, 
And around that, in these uh, four or five years, there were these leaves growing without even, I was not even aware about that. Just that at a certain point, uh, I started realizing that there was a story around that, that uh, uh, in five years, uh, what was personal stayed personal in the sense of emotions, uh, uh, but became a story, was not a grandma, was a mother. And so I was realizing that uh, there, there was a, basically after this, this story I wrote, uh, there was something that was basically a mystery of someone disappearing and how mysterious can be for the son I was, uh, at the time I was a, a, a grandson, but uh, the, the, the boy I was, even if I was 25, but in front of someone who dies, even if you are 45, you are a little boy because it's so bigger than you that you are so small. So, uh, and so uh, I started taking notes about this uh, mother leaving, so about a woman that disappears. And uh, at that point, uh, I started uh, researching on another field that was not connected to the emotional story of a relationship between a mother and the son that was uh, um, Italians, entrepreneurs going to the East Europe, former Soviet Europe, uh, to make business and uh, and so on. And so it took a while. I um, I traveled a lot between Italy and Romania to research because I was interested in that, but was a I don't know, uh, uh, it was a question I had in my mind. So I said, I was interested and I didn't know, I didn't even know at the time that the two stories, may, meaning uh, the, a mother leaving and the son waiting and uh, Italian entrepreneurs going to Romania uh, for business would have become the same story. I was just uh, following myself. I was just uh, chasing the questions I had in my mind. And then at a certain point, in a mysterious way, you know, stories become stories. Uh, they uh, they glued, they they melted, and they became one uh, one tear. I would say one 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 no one 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 little river. And at that moment, so after five six years from the first page written without knowing that this was this novel. Uh, a year traveling between Italy and Romania and uh, uh, lots of notebooks uh, full of notes uh, about the story I didn't know. I was writing from that moment, no, uh, that moment on. It's true that it was a, f a very fast novel that right. I wrote it down in seven months. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's great to hear Like because I think sometimes people who are working and slogging away on a book can read something or read about a book that came out quickly and they might not get all the backstory. They might not realize that the incubation period was a, a number of years, you know, that w without which the writing would never have been able to happen at all. And yeah, and, and sometimes that's the, the the interesting thing also for for the one who writes is that uh, many times you are not even aware of that. I mean, uh, uh, it's just uh, someone kicking or knocking on your door, but it's too far away in your stomach to be heard. And so, and so at a certain point, maybe you don't even know. Now I know I have traces, so I could tell you the story of the background. 
But sometimes maybe you don't know that it was incubating, but it was incubating. Hey, everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. So your novel is about, as you said, it's about a, a son whose mother has died. This is not a comedy. Um, it's a it's a sad story, but it's a gripping story. And, you know, it's a mystery. You, th that word is so crucial. You just said it, and it really um, made a light bulb kind of go off uh, in my mind because I, I guess one of the, you know, it's it's like a, it's a lesson, you, you know, when we lose someone, like you lose a grandparent, I think in particular, when there's a generational divide between you and the person who's left, uh, there is so much that you don't know. Even if you know the person well, to lose someone creates a mystery, always. And the drama of your novel is in that divide between mother and son, the son who has not seen his mother um, in a long time, who lost touch with her. She sort of abandoned the family, essentially, uh, and moved to Romania. He's in Romania for her funeral and is picking up clues, essentially, you know, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, um, yeah, and moreover, you're right that um, when someone disappears, when somewhere, someone uh, passes away, it's always like that. It's always a mystery. And um, moreover, if you if you see the body, uh, and uh, and then there's the mystery of, also the mystery of the first death, you uh, the first uh, death you are spectator of, or you are in front of the first dead body you see. In, in this case, or in my story, was not that the first uh, the first one. But in general, there's a even if that, that's the point, even if, uh, as I was saying, uh, even if you are a grown-up, uh, it's the first time that you are in front of something that is so incredibly unbelievable. Uh, and uh, even if you are a grown-up, you could even be an engineer or, I mean, a scientist, uh, I don't know, an engineer in constructions and something very solid and... Uh, but still, when when someone dies, you you ask yourself the same question a little boy or a little girl can ask 
her or his parents uh, that is where did he go right where did she go right now that's that's the point no of course it's the he or she is there the the dead one but uh, you wonder that no um and so that's uh, that's always a mystery of course in this case then there's a, there's a relationship uh, son and mother now in the case of the uh, of the novel and um, and you know when when um, I don't know pediatricians and and so on they always say uh, and if you read whatever you read uh, uh, you you know that uh, in the first phase months year year and a half uh, a son doesn't understand uh, that there's a difference between him or her and uh, and their mom meaning that uh, when they say i they think that the mother and the, and the son in this case let's talk about the son of the book uh, that they are the same thing so saying i is uh, you you don't know where your body ends and uh, your mother's one starts no begins uh, and uh, and it's like that you live uh, nine months uh, in the belly and so on but uh, but in uh, the only you that you know is your dad is your father so the you is only the father because you are supposed to in, in Italy even more because we are uh, the mummy country uh, but uh, in general in general uh, I would say that uh, you are uh, as a son the the son is 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 the mother and the mother is the son and that's why at a certain point that's why this book is a book uh, uh, is a novel written in a way to the second person so it's uh, it's not a letter but it's him addressing to her now after her death because it's uh, even more un- unbelievable there's also the mystery of every son that has to accept, who has to accept that the mother is not I, is a you, is someone else. So yes. in general, the mother, a mother is always a mystery. That's why children are always more annoyed by the mother than by the father because they they can't really understand why it's not always there, why there's a difference between the two of them. And in this case, there's also uh, a a bigger mystery because uh, and that's why the the book is told in two ways so the book uh, uh, is uh, the novel is told uh, putting together alternating in a way uh, moments from the past uh, when the mother and the son that was a, a little boy and then uh, a, a teenager the beginning of his teenagerhood uh, where they are two but it's basically they live in an island uh, that is a very also, fun island when they, where they play. There's love. There's warmth. There's everything is kind of playful in a way, and it's uh, and then uh, in something in a relationship that is already always complicated like that. Uh, but then there's what you were saying that uh, then she leaves, and then she actually, in fact, abandons him together with the stepfather, not even with the, with his father, uh, and so. Uh, what he tries to do so it's not a crime novel at all but in a way it's a crime novel because he tries to put together the two halves of a woman the first half is the mother the playful loving and blah 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 mother and the second one is the opposite someone who left and what happened and left to go to 
a better place uh, and what what's this better place then he will travel and we'll we'll, we'll talk about it but uh, so it's like it's true that it's uh, trying to he's looking for clues he's looking for clues and the, the paradoxical thing in a way it's uh, looking for clues about the person that is the one he knows the most right the best right well i think that you know when we t when we talk about parental abandonment i think in general it's usually the father who bails um at least you know i think that statistically would bear out and i found in reading your book something extra heartbreaking about this guy this narrator losing his mom uh to have your mom bail and to leave country and to sort of check out um just a heartbreaking, a heartbreaking sense of um, loss on his part. And I also felt, and this is to your credit, I felt a lot of sympathy for the mother who did the abandoning, the complexity of her life and her desires. Like you said, you know, there's the challenge that children have in recognizing and coming to terms with the fact that their mother is an individual who has concerns and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, desires and fears and hopes and dreams that are entirely separate from them. Uh, you know, she has, a, she has a complicated life. She gets pregnant out of wedlock, has this baby uh, against her family's wishes. So, you know, causes, it creates a rupture with her own parents. So there's that dysfunction that she's dealing with. And then she's a, in, a, in so many ways, she's a great mother. She's very present for her child. They have, a, like you said, a warm relationship. But at a certain point in her life, you know, other people and other interests and desires intercede and she winds up leaving. But I never, as much as I hate that decision and as much as I, you know, can't even imagine leaving my kids, you know, as a parent, it's like, how could you do that? I do understand her as a human being. And I'm glad you portrayed her that way because I think in the absence of it, if she was just some kind of two dimensional villain, uh, or if the main character, if the protagonist had that sort of view of her, it would have, uh, I think it would have been a lesser book. Uh, you needed her humanity in order to accentuate the tragedy of it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the, the point for me was, uh, um, yeah, probably I myself needed uh, to to have this to halves not to be judgmental uh meaning that the point is uh i don't know if uh, we could call it uh, empathy understanding i don't know what what it is but for sure um for sure there is something that is um um and that that basically the way in which i wrote it uh that's something that is always so human uh, for me, that's the point. Uh, I mean, the, the the real point, and and I guess that's, yeah, my 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 goal. I don't know, but it's the posture I uh, I have when I write. It's to look for what uh, the the portion of humanity, uh, and the, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, I'm looking for forgiveness. That's not the point. Uh, but the, if you kept a record of sins, means that now that uh, uh, if you just kept a record of sins, I mean, come on, 
uh, there's no one that can be safe now uh, can be saved by anyone else so uh so basically she's a mother meaning she's not only a mother she's a woman uh, in a society in which basically only men are allowed to look for success or for uh, to look for um, happiness in their um, work field, uh, no. And the, a mother is a woman is supposed just to be to 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 be a good mother. And uh, no, uh, whereas what she does is very human. So ba- what what she does basically, she. She falls in love first, and that's, I guess, the most human thing that can happen in your life. Uh, and uh, I wish everybody could fall in love, <laughs> uh, can fall in love uh, at least one time in life. And she falls in love, and then she wants to, to affirm herself. Uh, she wants to say, I am, I'm worth it. Uh, no, and that's the point. Then, of course, everything becomes much more complicated because then, of course, then you have a, a son, and then your um, former husband, uh, uh, blah blah blah, and then the father of this uh, son you had left you just uh, after um, the the baby was born, and, and lots of other things. But basically, there's something that is completely human, and there's something that, of course. Uh, a son can't understand, and maybe doesn't have to understand. That's not the point of uh, uh, saying, "Oh, she's like that, so he shouldn't." No, that's not the point because because it's also very human not understanding. It's also very human to hate. It's also very human uh, being. Um, aggressive and being whatever it is and whatever uh, you want to be. So for me, uh, this is a book full of human people that uh, some of them uh, are portrayed as uh, uh, assholes. (laughs) I mean, there are also uh, some of the entrepreneur, Italian entrepreneurs going to Romania and uh, being just uh, with this uh, patronizing uh, posture and they, they want to be powerful and they want to have all the young women and the kind of no it's a, it's kind of a colonial uh, attitude and and so on and so forth but also these people are just a kind of losers in their previous life who try to have a better life I mean, they are. Then they are assholes. But uh, and that's not the point. It's I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a judge. I'm not. A, I in literature doesn't have to be that. I think it's just the the place where uh, you can feel humanity uh, in all the contradictions of being human means. Uh, and um, and so that that was the point. And the point uh, when I when I wrote it. Now I know. I think I know what I what I wrote, but at the time I was just uh, basically uh, I started uh, um, um, I don't know um, it, it, it was just I had just lots of uh, human losers looking for a uh, a better life in their lives, uh, and uh, some of them were terrible, some of them were uh, uh, less terrible, and also you know y- yeah. Um, uh, Lula, that is the, the the name of the of the mother of Lorenzo, that is the son telling the story, addressing her. 
her business is to uh, to try to sell this uh, crazy, funny, big <laughs> egg that uh, it's uh, to lose weight. So she has this, uh, yeah, this weird market. <laughs> okay, but I want to stop because, like this, yeah. the, you know, you talk about her ambition and how yeah. you know in the the culture that she came of age in and in the world, essentially, that, that you know, writ large, that uh, women are living in a woman with ambition. Um, you know, it can be it can be a tough road to hoe, and yeah. she has some real brilliance to her. Even if this this weight loss egg, which is her business, you sit inside of this egg, um, and it helps you lose weight, is a little bit crazy. Like I sensed a real, like a, like brilliance to her in terms of what, may, maybe not at the level of execution, but certainly at the level of potential. Um, it was kind of a woman I feel like who, in different circumstances could be a great success. Is that a misreading? And then like as an addendum to that, I would also say that, you know, all of this talk about um, Italians going into post-Soviet bloc countries to seek reinvention, I see a nice bit of symbolism that there's a woman out there trying to sell a giant egg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I think that there's um, um, in a way in as far as I understand of uh, of this character of this person, um, I think that uh, um, she's in, in a way she could be. You you are right. She could be a real genius in a way because she's completely naive. Uh, so uh, it's kind of a mixture between uh, something that is completely um, capitalistic, you know, the idea of going there and so you can uh, uh, pay less uh, and uh, blah, blah, and all the things we know about uh, um, uh, Western countries going uh, going there to explore and so on and so forth, um, but uh, but he, but in a way, there's um, she. Uh, I mean, if she ha- she has wings, and her wings are just uh, uh, are just uh, naive. She 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 goes for love and she goes to sell a, an egg. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a, it, 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 she she goes and tries to sell an egg. Uh, in a place where people were just starving. I mean, it's not that she goes and, and tries to sell an egg in a place where, I mean, there are only people who need uh, to lose weight. Uh, but still, in a way, she's a genius because she basically, she she's a genius in the sense that at the same time, she um, she tries to be as capitalistic as she can and at the same time she's very um, critical of capitalism so basically she goes there together with the symbol of the worst of the western world meaning uh, both being uh, uh, overweight and being obsessed with uh, being thin uh, or in a very good shape, um, but yeah, but I, I think she can't be successful. And, and this is a uh, something that uh, I, I have to say just because I'm um, I love her, uh, but as a as a person or as a character, I don't know. But uh, I mean, we bonded in the time we wrote. I wrote the novel, but uh, um, 
she couldn't be successful because basically she's not mean. Uh, and that's, I know that is judgmental, what I'm saying. But I'm saying as Andrea, not uh, uh, as Lorenzo. It's not a judgment that you can find in the novel. Uh, but uh, but uh, she's a genius who couldn't be successful because you you have to be a little bit mean to survive. She's she goes into the jungle. Uh, bringing a couple of flowers and an egg, uh, and I mean, uh, how you can survive. And the problem uh, is that uh, she, since uh, a son, so going back to, to the fact that, uh, that the novel, the center of the novel is Lorenzo, is the son addressing to her, then the center of the novel, for sure, the one who uh, writes, the narrator, is, uh, um, is Lorenzo. And, uh, and the son always believes what the mother says, and that's the real drama, in a way, of the book, meaning that uh, uh, a son believes that if a mother says, I'm gonna, I'll be right back, she'll be back, and uh, and she's back, and uh, if she doesn't come back, uh, but she says, oh, I'm in an incredible place, this is heaven, and the son believes that, so that the story of the book is also him as a boy or teenager believing when she calls from Romania saying, oh, it's wonderful here. It's like the far west. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's incredible. And he is just a son talking to his mom on the phone and and he can't but believe her. Uh, and the, and the, the drama and the, in a way that the tragic side of the of, of the novel is that uh, then he has to realize that she was not living in heaven. That was not the paradise where she she was, and that she was unhappy. And uh, there, but she couldn't, she couldn't uh, say, "I'm unhappy," because uh, because a mother is a, a magician, and so she can say. I couldn't succeed. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, this feels very familiar to me as an American, uh, and maybe especially so as a Los Angelino. People can never admit that they're struggling. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. always great. I'm sure you've noticed <laughs> this as a, yeah. an Italian living in the States. Like, yeah, also because we always complain. We are the opposite side. Oh, I was, oh my God, this, today, oh, I have a head. We are very dramatic. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just feel like sometimes I'll have a conversation with a friend and especially around matters pertaining to business and success, it's like this pathology. You can never just say like, hey, things are shitty. You know, it's it's always got to be like, things are great. We're rolling. We're crushing it. And it's like, really? Are you? I don't believe you. <laughs> um, and it just seems sad to me. And, you know, I got to say. But at the same time, sorry, then uh, just one. But at the same time, there's something that is so, um, in a way, tender in this being so ridiculous there's also a very human side because it's so ridiculous to say uh oh how's it going oh it's great and then uh i don't know his face or her face is so completely sad and pale and in the space that is between his or her being pale and uh, they're saying uh, um it's great there's something that is at the same time ridiculous and moving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think, you know, we were talking about the genius of, of uh, Lula, this mother character. 
And like, I think there's an admiration that I have for entrepreneurs. I would call an artist an entrepreneur because anybody who's kind of trying to build their own thing, it takes a level of self-belief and almost like willful naivete. Like you almost have to shut out all doubt and you have to be, <laughs> you have to be willing to leap. And I always yeah. have great admiration for people who are able to do that because you have to deal with so much rejection. You have to deal with so much doubt and difficulty and to maintain one's energy and optimism and maybe diluted self-belief or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is you need to keep yourself going. I yeah, find right. that heartbreaking and winning at the same time. I always cheer for people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in this case was, uh, uh, just a little background, but it's so when, when I was researching, so at the beginning, I didn't know exactly when I was taking my notes. So I knew that she was going there that, uh, uh for business, uh, I knew that uh, she had to sell something, uh, but I didn't know exactly what. Uh, and again, you know, it's just always by chance. So a friend of mine sent me a link to a thing, uh, and was kind of a was not an egg, but the the I mean w the way I misread uh, the the image I saw was oh, this was that it's kind of a gigantic egg it was was something else was a, a gigantic box uh, but the, but the, the the I mean the, the function was the same to to make people lose weight um, and the, but the fact that I I I, mis un, I misread it I miss saw it and I thought that it was uh, so I thought okay so that's that could be that could be interesting. And at the time, what I did, uh, uh, I it's so funny uh, because I, I went to I talked to lots of people who sold different would sell different kind of machines to lose weight. I never really found an egg, so I had to invent it. But uh, I, I so, want to stop you. I actually I, go I actually Googled weight loss egg. I wanted to know if this was real. I was like, did <laughs> you find it? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I don't think it exists. It's just was my miss uh, seeing something, an image. So I went to different places because I wanted to to understand how it it works. Because I, I mean, as a novelist, uh, unless uh, it's com it's something that you really know uh, because you work in it or you, it's your life or whatever. But uh, if you put together things that are true with things that are not uh, real and so on. So I had to research a lot. So I remember this uh, um, <laughs> going to to a place. There was just a, a, a gigantic box, but they, you didn't enter the box. There, there was there were just cables and and uh, uh, and, the, and so I said, so what, what? How does it work? And uh, uh, and I remember that it was a it was a friend of a friend of a friend who opened the uh, uh, the, the, the the company the the, the place just uh, on Saturday morning, and, uh, and there was no one. There were not there was uh, no one working there. There was just the secretary there. And, uh, and uh, and so he said, so would you like to see how it works? Uh, I mean, uh, and he said, do you want me to try your new? And and, and then at the time I was kind of very thin and uh, he, he, he told me, but there's, I really don't enjoy, you are too thin, so I want someone more. And so at that point was, everything became so crazy. So he asked for, he asked this 
woman was in her 50s saying, oh, come on, come here. And so put the cables uh, on the body of this secretary. It was all of a sudden in, in, in her bras. And I mean, was completely crazy. I was completely astonished uh, looking at this uh, situation. And, and so, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy world, but it was interesting and it was interesting. It's always interesting to research these kind of things, but it was very interesting to to try to really uh, think of this obsession that we have in Western world for becoming uh, the Photoshop version of ourselves also in 3D life. Yes, absolutely. And um, I got to say, you know, the fact that I Googled it means that I bought it. Like it was real enough to me on the page that I was like, this could be real. And the world is absurd enough that like a weight loss egg is not outside the realm of possibility. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I want to ask you, because we've been talking about this and my understanding of, um, you you know, Italian history, Italian culture, European history, European culture is not probably as astute as yours, is this notion of Europeans or maybe it was especially Italian entrepreneurs going into post-Soviet block countries to seek a new life and to seek renewal and to try their hand at business in a place where the exchange rate was better or whatever it happens to be. Um, this was a real, th- this happened widely. Like, I, I guess I haven't read much about this. Yeah, it's it's just that it happened a lot and, uh, and still happens. Uh, now I guess they are more moving towards uh, um, yeah the um, far east, uh, more far than uh, than uh, uh, the former Soviet uh, countries, um, the former Soviet bloc, as you were saying uh, uh, correctly, and um, yeah, and in a way. It happened. It happened uh, a lot. It happened uh, at the beginning of the 90s was the the very beginning, just uh, after the the fall of the Berlin Wall. uh, And then with 91, with the end of uh, um, Soviet Union uh, in uh, um, Russia and yeah, became uh, and and in a way it was just uh, something that uh, um, was uh, was very wide was very um and and was at the same time you know uh, is this kind of mixture of capitalism being uh, ferocious and very creative no uh that's the point of capitalism uh, uh, being so cynical being so violent uh, uh but at the same time always looking for ideas no, uh, so Europeans from from all, not only Italians, uh, and so. But then there was something that was very interesting because uh, uh, every European country tried to find uh, um, a country in the former Soviet bloc that was in a way close to them for culture, language, and so Romania and Italian uh, um, are kind of similar, also in terms of. Uh, of language, there's a Latin root, uh, and so it's easy to understand. Um, and so, you know, um, Italy was a, a former um, poor country, uh, and so Italy got to capitalism only in the 60s. I mean, till uh, the end of World War II, uh, 
we were just people with uh, farmers with goats and cows uh, and uh, uh, tomatoes uh, and uh, other and vegetables and mozzarella and these uh, other kind of wonderful things. I miss them a lot from here, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, but... I was going to say, it sounds great. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but so, uh, and then it happened as a violent uh, and enthusiastic in the way that it was lived. Uh, a conversion into a capitalistic country and when something happens so fast uh, in a way you are never really sure you did the right thing i mean uh, uh it is as if you you yeah i mean you become um, uh, something else uh, and everybody is saying that this something else you became is the best thing no but you are not really sure because uh, uh, it's it's like a flying instead of driving that uh, you land somewhere, but you there's the time zone and you are not exactly sure what happened. And so your body is still missing uh, all the ground uh, it didn't drive. Uh, and, uh, and so it's, it's kind of shocking. So Italy in the 60s uh, and in the 70s was kind of a shocked country uh, trying to believe that capitalism was uh, the way the right way, the successful way, and that uh, uh, being uh, all dressed up the same way, uh, watching uh, all together the same TVs uh, and so on and so forth was the right thing. So basically, I think that, uh, uh, of course, the, the, the thing that happened uh, at the beginning of the 90s, uh, in the, but the, the real development of the business was just in 2000 or in late 90s and, and beginning of the uh, 2000, uh, was that the, in a way, of course, there was business, uh, uh, but uh, but there was also a way of trying to convince ourselves as Italians that we did the right choice. Uh, so to, to try to export a system we were not really very good at, <laughs> we are not very good at right. uh, now. And so I guess in, in this thing, and we had the biggest uh, communist party in Europe as Italians. So in a way was uh, to say, um, okay, we did the right thing, uh, and then was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like uh, you, you're speaking my language. I have so many reservations, especially, I mean, coming in, uh, you know, growing up uh, in the United States, capitalism is presented as sort of like a terminus, uh, yeah. which I always bristle at. It's like, okay, we've arrived. This is the best way. It's been decided. It's sort of presented to you that way, like you've hit the finish line. And I don't view life that way. I, mean, I don't think we've, I, it certainly doesn't seem like we've sorted it out and we've landed on the best system. Uh, I think like things have, it seems to me things have gotten tilted way out of balance. And uh, Yeah, they, you know, but, that, but there's a, in a way, there's a, a structure in, uh, in the US, uh, it's kind of the spine is like that. I mean, uh, it's uh, um, looking for, uh, you know, trying to uh, to discover new things, new territories, and new Italy is just sitting down uh, with the <laughs> chair next to your door. That's the point. And all of a sudden, everyone has to become a businessman. People who basically are not able to sell anything that's not true because i know the, the all the brands italian brands but basically that's the point and there's the shock between being a southern um 
place where you you are just expect to be happy and eat and a little bit fat from and from that fat in the sense that you have to 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 look um a little bit overweight and the idea overweight is that you are good that you are living the right way and all of a sudden becoming a country in which you have to be thin uh, <laughs> no and that's that's a contradiction <laughs> well yeah i mean it's uh, i guess like you i feel like some of those old world ways that have been lost it's a tragedy because i often feel like i'm bad at capitalism i make that i make that as a joke but i'm not entirely unserious when i say it i i can often look out at the world and wonder like how many people are actually good at this to begin with it doesn't seem like very many people are um and there are some people who take to that system very well and easily and it's like you know round peg into a round hole but for so many people it's a huge struggle i think a lot of people who wind up in literature it's a huge struggle <laughs> um it's not necessarily a, a supernatural fit for me to go out and to try to sell things to people or to compete in the marketplace and crush the competition like all of that is anathema to me i'm kind of like i just want to sit by my door and you know yeah and <laughs> you know the difference uh uh yeah the struggle is yeah is a, a key word i think uh and um uh, but for instance if i think uh, um in 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 terms of attitude uh the difference between uh, for instance, uh, being in New York or being in Rome, uh, uh, in, in New York, people are basically on time because there's no time. And so you don't have to waste time. No, because you have to do things, do blah, blah. In Rome, they are always late. Uh, and so it's it's hard to sell anything if you if you are not there at the same moment as your client. <laughs> right. And that's, yeah. So yeah. But then yeah, it's a it's a it's a big topic, of course. Oh, and I feel like yeah, it's a big topic. I, I feel like there's got to be like the, the 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 clearest that I can get about it is that there's got to be some sort of equilibrium between the two like polarities between like the the more communal or communitarian impulse and the capitalistic impulse. And I don't know where that sweet spot is. I don't know if anybody does, but it seems. Yeah. The, yeah. But the problem is that as far as I understood of being alive is that uh, equilibrium is something you get for one, two, three seconds and then stop. Right. Uh, it's a, yeah. That's <laughs> nature that doesn't work like that. So let me ask you, cause I, you know, this is a related question. It's like, you know, the research that you were doing, um, about the the Lula character going to Romania, uh, it was experiential research. You got on a plane, I'm assuming, and you flew to Bucharest. Yeah, and... that's yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, just like, can you talk a little bit about how many, like, how many trips did you take? What was your on the ground experience like, and how did that inform the writing of the book? Yeah, um, I, I always liked this um, this part of um, um, of writing books because uh, uh, it's writing even if you are just uh, um, uh, I don't know uh, entering going in an airport uh, or uh, no at uh, at the gate I'm still writing doing that I'm writing with my body notes for uh, what I'm gonna write um, and uh, it's something that I don't think necessarily you have to do but it's a way for me to uh, to focus and to, 
in a way it's uh, it's also fun so it's also a way sometimes i'm glad not many times i'm glad that uh, my job is this is this but uh, um but uh, i'm glad because sometimes i also find the story i want to leave also not only that i want to write meaning that uh, i say oh it's not it's not that I say, oh, I want to go to, um, I don't know, to Japan, so I'm going to write. It's not like that. I'm going to write about Japan. But still, when I start a story, the um, research side is very is very exciting. Uh, and, uh, and in a way, from for me, it's just that uh, as a writer, going through a book, so from the very first moment, in this case, uh, as we were describing, I was describing at the very beginning uh, in basically five years or six years and then eight uh, months writing. But uh, um, if I don't, if there's no evolution in me, in myself, uh, going through a book, making before writing and then writing the book, uh, it means that uh, it was not worth it. If uh, I'm the same person uh, if the one that starts working on a novel and the one who uh, gets out uh, of the last phrase of a novel is the same, uh, it's a failure. Uh, meaning uh, it's there's no uh, trip, I didn't evolve, there's no evolution in terms of knowledge or in terms of, uh, um, of humanity, of myself, or whatever, uh, you, you, you understand what, what, what I'm saying. But uh, um, so, uh, and uh, going really physically through something, uh, uh, experiencing, um, it's not sometimes only experiencing in terms of, so I'm going to go to Romania, I'm going to take notes of what I see. So there are five cars at the airport and uh, people are behaving like that. Because I'm also very distracted as a person, uh, so uh, I, I'm a very emotional uh, guy, meaning that uh, I'm uh, very brave and at the same time I'm so completely full of fears. I'm very brave in the sense that uh, I can't but do something if I'm too curious but uh, shaking maybe because uh, the curiosity is much stronger than me. And so I say, uh, I have to say to my curiosity, so stop, I'm not, I'm not brave enough to go there. Come, come, no, I don't want, I don't. I'm scared, blah, blah, blah. And um, so basically I live, uh, so the way I, uh, I, uh, I started uh, traveling to Romania was just by chance, like uh, everything. So it happened that a friend of mine, told me, a friend of mine in Italy told me, you know, I didn't know anything about her. I was, uh, we were working together on a project uh, uh, and just drinking a glass of wine. She said, you know, uh, finally tomorrow I'm gonna see my mother after, I don't know, three years, four years or whatever. And I said, oh, so what happened? Uh, and she said, oh, you know, she works in Romania. Uh, because she um, she's the manager of um, of a company they produce shoes, uh, Italian shoes produced uh, in uh, in Romania, in the north of Romania. Uh, and I said, what? And at the time, I didn't know exactly what 
yeah, of course, I knew what Romania was. I knew Ceausescu. I knew the history and so whatever. But uh, if you had to tell me, if you had told me at the time, so now, uh, can you please draw a map of Europe, a plan of Europe, and tell me where Romania? I would have put it in the wrong in the wrong place. I was not sure. But at the same time, when when drinking this glass of wine, she told me that I don't know what happened. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I didn't think that's interesting for a story. It was just that there was uh, probably the little boy in me saying, let's go there. No, uh, and that's that's the, the main point. So basically, the beginning was that in that is the moment in which I started thinking little by little uh, at the beginning, probably not so completely aware and then more conscious as what uh, I was doing that uh, this woman, this uh, mother of a friend of mine, kind of woman and the mother I was trying to describe in the notes about uh, the relationship between the mother and the son were the same or could have been the same person. It is, at the time, I thought, I, I'm really animal as a as a writer so i'm i'm really going by instinct uh, and so i said oh wow can can i be in touch with your mom and so i talked to her mom and so in the blah blah so the the beginning of research was that and uh, i um i got in touch with the italian entrepreneurs that were not connected to the shoe company of uh, of her mom uh, but were other people uh, and so I got a few phone numbers uh, and just in what I did was just that I bought a ticket from Torino at the time, the Alps uh, and, uh, and, um, and Bucharest. Uh, that's what I did, uh, the, the first trip. Uh, and, uh, and my idea at the very beginning was just that uh, I wanted to write or I wanted to look for stories connected to big companies. So my idea was kind of uh, a stereotypical idea of big companies in the Eastern world, full of uh, one billion little workers uh, working 24 hours a day for nothing, for one cent. That was my stereotypical or journalistic, that that this was what I was reading on the papers and uh, on TV and so on. So the beginning was that. Uh, so I landed uh, in uh, to Bucharest and I was there and the first interview or the first contact I had was uh, uh, with someone, a manager in an Italian company. I don't even remember the, what they were producing, but they were gigantic. Uh, and they even they were so incredibly nice. They gave me uh, a room or even an apartment. Uh, they uh, gave me a chauffeur, uh, a kind of a driver. Uh, wow. that, that then became kind of the model for Christian, uh, that is uh, the, the 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 driver of uh, Lula in the in the U.S. So uh, they were really they were really excited also because they thought, oh, maybe this can be good for us as a advertisement. There's the writer coming here; he's going to write something, and we are we, we're going to become famous. Or or I mean, it's a it's a, a way of communicating your your enterprise and your your company so uh, then in Bucharest was uh, basically a disaster because uh, um, I started from a, a stereotype and the only thing I could find was uh, stereotypical uh, so I was just bored and then 
I wanted to understand immediately. So my point was, uh, I have to understand. I have to understand what's happening. And it's something that is so long that you can't understand in five minutes. Then uh, uh, Bucharest was a disaster also because uh, um, one day at the train station, uh, uh, a guy stole all my suitcases. So well, it was just a disaster from every point of view. Uh, but still, I was so completely shocked uh, and completely in love with that place. I, I, I immediately fell in love because Bucharest is a, is kind of a, um, it, it has at the same time the shape of a no, an old Paris ruined by uh, building uh, gigantic uh, buildings uh, during uh, the communist time to uh, bring people from the country to work in the city and so on. So it's a, it's a mixture of, uh, you know, an old beauty, then ruined. Uh, so there you can still, and it's very alive from a cultural now point of view and so on. But but, uh, but it was kind of shocking because it's also a violent city. Um, and so at that moment, this was the very first trip, uh, a friend of mine called me from Italy uh, and uh, I answered, I was in Romania, he said, what? What are you doing in Bucharest? And they said, oh, I, I basically don't know, but, and I told the story, that, fr that friend of mine drinking a glass of wine, I said, so you are in Bucharest? Yes. So he told me <laughs> that that friends of friends were living in another, in the north of Romania, that, and they left, and they just were, um, they opened a little enterprise uh, selling, I don't remember even what, uh, uh, fan for bathrooms or whatever. Uh, and he said, if you want to go there, I can give you the, the phone number. And so I started traveling to the north of Romania and I uh, I got in touch and I, with this word that was uh, the opposite of the stereotypical idea uh, that I had, where just a single men or two or three men, usually male people, uh, they just uh, had their leader enterprise uh, and uh, they pretended to be very powerful and uh, a little bit charming as Italians, uh, selling uh, lots of things, uh, paying nothing their uh, their workers. But uh, when, it may be with the, the flag of uh, uh, a soccer team of Juventus or Milan soccer team just outside their uh, the, the building of their little enterprise in the middle of nowhere, really, with just maybe horses uh, outside. It's, at the same time, was very archaic uh, in a way. And with these people coming there, trying to be the representatives of uh, the uh, spoken people of, uh, um, of uh, modernity, of uh, contemporary life. And when I met these people, that were really some of them were terrible, some of them not. Uh, but this, I thought, oh, that's what I want to talk about. Mm. These people who try to have a new life. So this was the first trip. And then I went there. I would say uh, I went back and forth for a year, for sure. Uh, and um, I would say four or five trips uh, and uh, uh, every time was uh, three weeks or a little bit more uh, and uh, or one month. But uh, basically, I spent lots of time with them, uh, even if sometimes really I 
there was nothing I could agree on, or even if sometimes they were lying on me to me about lots of things. But uh, at the same time, I wanted to, I was researching, uh, but then I was interested as a human being. I was uh, kind of attracted by this this life that was not my life, no? And even if something was terrible, I was interested in being there as a person, not as a, not necessarily as a writer at the moment. Then after that, I started writing. People became characters. Uh, they but became characters not because necessarily I wanted them to be different from the ones I met, but uh, because then when you write, you know, you you go somewhere else, and it's not uh, reality. Is something you use, and then words are the bosses of uh, of uh, of the field. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like what you're saying to me is um, you're making a great case. And I think your book makes a great case for the uh, maybe not the necessity, but certainly the value of experiential research, not only at the human level, like just as writers, we spend so much time in our office or in our room alone, (laughs) staring at a computer or staring at a blank page and to get out into the world. And to engage with the world and to travel if you can uh, and to kind of just get your hands dirty. It's just such a valuable experience, even if it's, you know, you put the art off to the side. I think it does something for us at the level of just like human energy to get out and meet people and to take yourself out of your comfort zone. And I know that there are people who can write setting. They could write a setting that is completely removed from their sphere of knowledge simply by looking at pictures on Google or watching YouTube videos. But man, when I read your novel, the, you know, a lot of it is in, um, Romania. Uh, it feels very lived in and the characters that you paint, uh, you know, the Romanian characters that you paint are just so vivid to me and believable. And I have a hard time thinking that you could have done that in the absence of this kind of experience. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think it uh, could have been possible because basically when I was saying that uh, at the beginning I thought uh, uh, that uh, was a that this was also a way of uh, making the book or of going through uh, an experience it's also because uh, um, I, I know that uh, you, you can understand me, but someone maybe can think it's just a crazy thing, and maybe it is. So we are just talking between two crazy people. But uh, the idea that uh, uh, little by little, day by day, doing these kind of things, you build the novel, meaning that uh, you yourself become your character. That's the point of me traveling. So uh, traveling in this case or doing other kind of experiences, it's not that uh, I want to be accurate. For me, that's not the point. It's not the point that uh, uh, I want to write something that uh, uh, so people can say, oh, uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Bucharest, this this street is is exactly like that. Um, That's not the point. The point is that uh, I have also a very, um, I mean, I write with all of myself. Uh, that's the point of uh, being different when I become, when I uh, start writing and uh, ending and at the end of the book. So I want to live an experience. I want to live a book. I want to really go through a book. And so I have to become the book. 
I have to become the narrator. So that's why then it's so tricky. Uh, also with my students at, at Rice, we, we, we talk about uh, what uh, out of fiction and memoirs. And for me, I don't know what to say because uh, uh, meaning in as soon as I start becoming the narrator, how can I say if it's not me or if this is my is this my life? Of course, it's my life. I had a mother who lived to Romania. Not at all. But this is my this is really what I experienced. I I guess uh, the takeoff I was Andrea, and the landing in Bucharest I was Lorenzo. I was the Carter because as soon. Of course, I can <laughs> understand that can sound crazy, but as soon as get off, got off the plane, I was in. I was entering a novel, not looking for um, details. Mm. I was leaving. I was building with my own body the story that I was uh, uh, about to write, even if I didn't have clear what, what, what it was not evident at the time. What, but uh, of course, I was already in. And the thing is that uh, probably as a writer, I can write only what I experience. And so either can be my life or, but since my life, life is boring in general. So I need to have an extra life that I want to live in order to write about it. I get that. I feel that a lot. And I think, uh, you know, when you do that sort of thing, there are always happy accidents. Uh, you know, you can't plan for what you're going to learn when you go out and travel and you get on the ground and disorient yourself. And I think, like, just as an example, there's a lot of poetic resonance, in my mind anyway, between Bucharest, which is kind of this city of a fallen empire, you know, this post-Soviet, post... And forgive me on the pronunciation, is it Ceausescu? Is that how you pronounce it? Ceausescu, we, we say in Italy, but uh, yeah. I guess it's, yeah, you know, but the 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 big palace um, plays a role in the novel, and you know, this is a guy Lorenzo who's there for the funeral of his mother, trying to kind of solve this mystery. Set against that backdrop, I feel like is a nice, beautiful, happy accident of art. You know that I can't help but believe that it adds something, you know, to the to the tragedy of the book, and also to like this kind of exotic uh there, there's something fun about travel like inside of a story even if it's for a sad reason you know like to see this guy flying into this country that is not his own you know as a reader it takes you on that journey with him and you're on a you're on a path of discovery with him uh because he is like you say he's trying to unpack the mystery but he's also meeting christian He's meeting all these different characters who peopled his mother's life in this part of her life that did not involve him. Um, and so it functions as a travelogue in a way, too, which I always appreciate in fiction. So I yeah, don't know. And then, and then there's the, the thing of uh, basically of displacement, of, uh, you know, of, um, um, of losing your equilibrium. That's the point. Uh, I mean, if we, if we don't lose our... I mean, walking is is exactly that, losing your equilibrium every step. Uh, no, uh, so e either you you lose for one second your equilibrium, or you don't go anywhere. So the only way to move forward is to to run the risk to fall down. No, and that's why there are also so many 
uh, travels in uh, in trips in 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 literature. But uh, but generally speaking, is the place where, I mean, um, you are the most um, sensitive. I mean, when you are, I would say, in danger, when you are more worried, when you are less at ease, uh, all your senses are really alert. And so, uh, I'm, for instance, I, I lived in, in, in many, uh, in a few countries and in a few cities. I lived in Berlin, I lived in Paris, I lived in Amsterdam, I lived in Rome, and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm Houston, Texas. Um, and uh, every time, and I'm not, uh, since, even if, and I traveled to so many countries, but I'm not, um, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not um, very good at doing that, uh, meaning that uh, I'm not a good traveler. Uh, I'm a disaster every time, uh, <laughs> meaning I, really I'm clumsy every single thing I do. And it's not that uh, if I, since I traveled a lot uh, now, I perfect. No, every time I, I, I start a new experience, my day is full of freaking out for something. Oh my God, I know, and the, the pin for that, and oh, I have to open a bank account, or I have to, what, 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 or everything is freaking out, uh, and it's the way I work. Uh, and uh, then after that, uh, I laugh at myself. And that's, uh, but that's very interesting because when I'm scared or freaking, that's why I was saying that I'm not brave. I, I mean, my curiosity is braver than, than I am uh, because uh, Every time, in any case, uh, uh, I'm in, in danger, even if rarely was a real danger. I, I was rarely in a serious danger that I, 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 I thought, oh, I'm going to die. But uh, I'm going to spend the night outside or uh, whatever, uh, other stupid things. Um, but uh, exactly in that moment that is uh, moving from, as you were saying, the comfort zone, all my senses are really alert, so my eyes are looking around like crazy to see if there's someone, if there's a door, if there's a, and trying to also also fear helps you in being hypersensitive, no? And uh, and so that's in a way also for Lorenzo as a as a character as a narrator, he enters he uh, enters Romania, he enters. Uh, the new world, the new old world, because it could be Romania, it could be Poland, it could be um, Ukraine, it could be. I mean, it's not that Romania uh, is 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 Romania because it's Romania. It's for the reasons we were talking about. But but, but that posture is the posture in which you can be, um, you can experience and probably describe uh, then in a novel. A, a certain place making people feel it because uh, what happens doesn't happen in the rational field but uh, happens with the senses and so the Romania, the Bucharest that uh, is uh, is in the book it's, uh, it's so similar to uh, many other um, freaking out zone that we all experience or many other uh, I mean, when when you are sad, the world around you looks sad. 
no uh in the in the it's a it's a now it's a word contagium that it's hard to use after the pandemic but it's kind of the con contagium so if you are feeling a pain the pain goes into the walls into the buildings into the trees and uh, and that's uh, that's the point of lorenzo it goes there with the, a mixture between looking for trade for clues being uh, feeling sorrow, uh, uh, being surprised, curious, shocked, and this the Romania and the city and the places uh, he describes uh, are basically his emotions becoming solid. Hmm. Well, I loved it. It's a great book. Uh, it's a great work of art, and I. I have to say before I let you go that in English you are in the hands of a wonderful translator. Uh, and I want to give credit uh, to the translator who sometimes gets lost in the shuffle when works get translated. But uh, her name is Elizabeth Harris. And I've read enough works in translation to know when one is really good. Like you, this is a beautiful translation into English. Yeah, you know, uh, Liz, uh, Elizabeth Harris, uh, to me, is kind of a genius. Uh, and um, and and the, the one thing uh, that I really uh, love of her is is that she has a uh, she has ear and the writing is music uh, and uh, and she is kind of a jazz player so she starts from the standard of uh, uh, of the original writing and then she plays her music that is complete but is like jazz works i mean it's completely close to the standard but uh, it's her and it's her music and uh, and so for me uh i guess yeah the experience and and i realized that she was so great because uh first because i read her first sample the first 15 pages the the publisher uh sent me at the beginning, I thought, oh, my God, that's that's great because it's like singing. And uh, my style in Italian is a very musical uh, style. And if you if if my books, uh, they lose, they miss the style, the music, uh, I mean, they are completely lost. Uh, it's uh, it's not that the story is enough, or uh, I mean, you can say it's a beautiful story, but it's not the point. The point is, uh, yeah, the senses we were talking about now. And uh, and and Liz once wrote to me for um, for a piece uh, saying, uh, so we we talk to each other, and sometimes she has questions, and it's exactly from questions from the questions that you understand if a translator is a good translator. Right. Uh, and, uh, and for instance, she was saying, oh, you know, um, I, I would change this word into this. Uh, I, I would put this other word. Uh, uh, I don't know if you agree, but I would do that because this creates an internal rhyme with the word you used uh, um, three uh, lines before. And, uh, and since you have so many internal rhymes, uh, I guess uh, you have other internal rhymes. But uh, if we add this in English, uh, it creates the sound uh, that you create in Italian. And this email, I don't even remember if I, I, I guess I accepted, but I don't. I remember the question, but I remember that I was amazed by someone 
who was talking about music and uh, and so that's that's the point she's a she's a great uh, a writer should be has to be a great a, a translator has to be a great writer as well and uh, and she's a great writer and she can play her music uh, and because uh, a book was in translation has to have a character meaning uh, a personality a musical personality and that's given by the translator then there's the imagery there are the metaphors there are there's the soul the mood and whatever it is so there's lots it's the iceberg is is under the water and it's probably the author but this little thing that you see just uh, looking at the sea that's the translator did and this is elizabeth harris yeah well i'm glad to talk about that because i think sometimes it's overlooked i need to have maybe a more like a larger conversation with a translator at some point because it's a very delicate art in its own right. And, you know, it's not just a matter of translating the words, like you say. No. You, you really, yeah. it's an art form and, and you really have to, uh, like, you have to create it. a word. You had to create a new word yep. that didn't exist and yep. doesn't exist before you write. It exists in another language, but this means that it doesn't exist. Well, you should stick with Elizabeth on future translations. I think she knows how to she knows how to play yeah, your songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we like to play together. Yeah. Well, it's great to meet you. I I, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, I guess like a question would be like, uh, are you working on something new that would be available in translation in the in the North America or in English? Like, what's what's on your plate right now creatively? Oh yeah, they, uh, there is just a, a, a new novel just came out in Italy, uh, and, uh, and the title is Il Libro delle Case, meaning the Book of Homes, uh, and it's basically the the story of a man told uh, through the houses he lived in, in different moments, going up and down in time and spaces. So from seventy five uh, all of a sudden to two thousand two, and then to eighty six, and so on. Uh, so in um, this novel, it came out uh, one month ago, uh, or a little bit more. It's just uh, been uh, it's just been sh uh, long listed for the Strega Premio Strega, that is the most important uh, um, Italian literary prize. And Congra so, congratulations! I'm, yeah, thank you. And uh, so, I'm doing really. I'm running. Uh, I'm basically chased by myself. Uh, so I'm just trying to escape uh, and uh, having lots of uh, presentations uh, online from the same place uh, as I present this book. Uh, the one I was, uh, the myself I was 13 years ago, and the 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 uh, the one I am now. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, translation will be available, but it's a longer book, and so. Uh, you guys have to wait and to read and reread uh, if you kept the record of seeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but, uh, but uh, another thing I'm doing, I'm, uh, I just published a few uh, days ago uh, a, a, a little piece on Lit Hub. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm more writing uh, narrative essays for, for America. So uh, if you guys wait, you'll see me somewhere in a different mood researching experiencing different things and so maybe you won't read about romania but about louisiana or about texas or about an italian guy trying to to not forget italian after uh, spending so much time trying to figure out how to survive in english uh -huh. well i uh, i wish you well on all of the above 
great to meet you. Congrats on this uh, fine translation and, and congrats on the, the new one, you know, that's been long listed as well. It was great to meet you. Great. Okay, guys, there you have it. That is Andrea Bayani. And his new novel is called If You Kept a Record of Sins, available now in English from Archipelago Books. A wonderful translation by Elizabeth Harris from The Italian. If You Kept a Record of Sins by Andrea Bayani, go get your copy immediately. Andrea Bayani, for those of you who aren't aware, is one of the foremost contemporary authors from Italy. In Italy, you know what I mean. If You Kept a Record of Sins won a slew of uh, prizes, including the Supermondello Prize, the Brancati Prize, the Reconati Prize, and the Lo Straniero Prize, if I'm pronouncing those correctly. He's been uh, translated in many languages, published by some of the better presses in Europe, and he now lives in Houston and teaches at Rice University. One more time, the book is called If You Kept a Record of Sins. I strongly recommend it. The Other People podcast is offered freely. Every single episode of this show, more than 700 episodes and counting, all of it is available to you, the listener, free of charge. It is a listener-supported show. If you like this program and you listen to it regularly and you get something from it, I hope you'll consider supporting the show. If you have the means, you can do that for as little as $1 a month. Tip your server. Throw a buck in the hat. Throw more if you have more. There are different tiers, different levels of support. There are prizes, bonuses. You know what I'm talking about. You can get a t-shirt, a tote bag, a sticker, a coffee mug, a book club subscription. I'll wish you happy birthday. I'll write you a handwritten postcard. Come on. Just go to patreon.com slash other PPL pod. Patreon.com slash other PPL pod. Support the show. Show it some love at patreon.com slash other PPL pod. If you would like to write to me, the email address is letters at other PPL.com. Don't forget that this show has its own official app. It too is free. The other people with Brad Listy app, go get it wherever you get your apps. What else? Coming up next, I think there's going to be a Sunday episode featuring Patricia Engel. Stay tuned for that. Other good ones in the pipeline. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>